Hello, everyone. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome a member of the Belcher String Quartet, Christoph Horschelski. I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Christoph. It, it took me a long time to practice that. Thank you so much. I'm well, very impressed. Beautiful. We were or are looking forward to the complete cycle of the Beethoven Quartets, which the Belgian Quartet was going to uh, perform uh, in November. We still hope that this can happen, but, you know, difficult times, right? Um, so what has the quartet been doing in these times? I guess many of your concerts have been also cancelled uh, over the last six months or so. Uh, yes, we had about 40 concerts cancelled. Uh, well, since March, basically, we hardly played at all. We... Um, for the first three months, we didn't see each other, obviously, also because we live in different countries. I live in Germany and my colleagues live in France. So for quite a long time, the borders were actually closed, so we couldn't even rehearse. And then when the, when the uh, borders reopened, uh, it was also not entirely sure whether we would be able, allowed to cross them because there was, you, would, you really had to have a, a legitimate reason to, to uh, cross the border. And uh, it wasn't sure whether rehearsing string quartets was legitimate enough. Uh, but uh, at the beginning of June, we finally met. So, so having been on a real high at the beginning of March when we played our, I think, third and fourth uh, Beethoven cycle concerts at the Wigmore Hall in London, and feeling that we are really, you know, this is really the best time in our in our musical life because I mean, there's nothing better than Beethoven Street Quartets, really, and um, having played them. And recorded them uh, some years ago, and now re having returned to them, and, and uh, it just felt like we were really entering a new phase in our relationship with this music, and it was it was really uh, a wonderful time. And suddenly, the whole thing stopped, um, and of course, it had huge implications for us on on many many levels. Um, our lives completely completely changed. Like your lives, and like everyone's lives, and we are all in, in this in this uh, situation all over the world. Um, and uh, yes, yes, we we simply didn't know, and to, to be honest, we still don't know what what future will bring. We we were so looking forward to coming to Hong Kong and playing all of them for you, and we still hope that this may happen, but obviously, we don't know. But I think we would definitely have to get you here at some point. Well, we, we really would love to do that. So hopefully we will. But you have played um, the quartets, I mean, the cycle recently, right? I mean, you've come back onto the stage um, with, with uh, you know, yes. a few concerts. So in the summer in Europe, some concerts started to happen and some festivals decided to take the risk and not to give up and, and to um, continue uh, presenting concerts to um, socially distanced audiences. Very different feeling, really, for us. But yes, we um, we played our very first concert after the um, period of isolation was in June. We played one concert in Dortmund. It was a very nice concert because it was a, it's a shared cycle with the Quatuor Ben, who are our friends. And, um, it, you know, it was wonderful to, first of all, to be playing together again, but also to be joined by... Um, our colleagues from another quartet that we love and admire, and and to be able to, you know, to to to, to spend this time together also was 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 special. So that was the first concert we played, and it was very strange because the hall was practically empty. I mean, there were very few people sitting in the hall, um, uh, 
so it did feel strange from that point of view. Then we had another break, and then at the beginning of August, we met again to rehearse for several weeks to bring back the rest of the cycle, because then we went to Warsaw, to the Chopin Festival there, uh, where, again, very courageously, they put on all these concerts in the, in the, the Philharmonic Hall in, in uh, Warsaw, which is a wonderful hall, and it's particularly moving for me because this is my hometown. So, so um, very moving that we, that we were able to do to, to do the cycle there. We had already performed two of the six concerts the previous summer, so we had four left, and we performed them all in um, five days, and. Um, that was very special. Again, very strange feeling from the audience. You know, everyone covered, everyone's faces covered with masks and um, um, not the same. From that high in the Wigmore Hall and then that hiatus and then having to come back again, sort of almost restructure yourselves, right, in a completely new situation. I mean, did the concerts, apart from feeling strange because of the audience, um, also give a new feeling to the way you were playing the Beethoven cycle? I think so. I think uh, when we are in, in the full swing of rehearsing and then we have preparations for, uh, for uh, concerts which had been previously very carefully planned and, and uh, we... we, we aim for a certain level of just just uh, stability and a kind of athleticism on, on stage, which comes with uh, just doing it regularly. You know, it's, it's, it's to a certain extent, it's also a, 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 our profession has a certain sportive element in, in just keeping up the, the, this, this stamina of being on stage and, and the ability to deal with the stress of being on stage and, and the ability to deal with the amount of repertoire we have in our hands. And in this particular case, it's very special because we we rarely have so many pieces in, um, on the go at the same time as as during a Beethoven year. It's sixteen quartets. Um, normally, we uh, during a season we don't play more than nine quartets, and we make this exception only when we play Beethoven cycles because it's uh, uh, because they are they they are worth the effort and and also we we feel that we know them. We have grown to know them relatively well, although each time we return to them, we discover new things in them. So the difference, I think, in the feeling is that we, we feel less um, stable, I think. We feel more, more vulnerable uh, on stage. We are, we are, I think we are, like I said, we are used to a greater degree of stability between us. But um, I think that perhaps this... Uh, is quite helpful in a way in playing Beethoven because this music is dangerous. It's meant to be dangerous. Um, and it's meant to be unstable. It's, me it's meant to destabilize the listener. It's meant to sh shake us to the core. And I think that perhaps in the state of, of uh, being destabilized, we are able to express something uh, almost un... <laughs> unknowing you know not not aware of it something else in this music i'm hoping that that's the case because um yeah it's 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 very moving for us also you know to to be in a situation where you know we we, we have no sense of security we don't know what will happen we don't know whether the concert we're playing tonight is not the last concert before the next lockdown and uh it's it's a it's a it's a new feeling and and it's um it's it renders us i think more more uh alive 
and more aware of, of, of our vulnerability and of, of the, yeah. And I think, I think that's perhaps good in many ways. Well, when I think of, you know, a lot of the Beethoven quartets, there's a, a very strong sense of vulnerability in the music. I mean, something like the Cavatina, the middle of it, where it's, you know, beklempt. Almost everything is exposed, right, uh, in terms of feeling, but also, I think, just in the texture of the quartet itself. So in a way, that kind of risk, that kind of vulnerability is very Beethovenian, uh, particularly the late Beethoven, right? You have yeah. that. So I would imagine that there is a kind of a heightened uh, vulnerability and risk involved. Yeah. Performance. It's really amazing. But what is it like? I mean, doing this marathon. I mean, it's 16 very, you know, concentrated, very long, some of them, you know, these quartets. I mean, it must not just require, you know, physical stamina, but the mental stamina, everything. I mean, what is it like to do the cycle? Because not many quartets would be brave enough to do this. Well, it's, uh, of course, it's, it's an incredible. Um, undertaking, uh, you know, it requires, first of all, enormous amount of rehearsing uh, and no degree of familiarity um, with this music prevents us from having to, to, to re rehearse a lot because of the sheer size of this, of this repertoire, of the, of the, of the cycle and um, the technical demands. And uh, the, the intensity, because, uh, well, yes, first, I think that this is maybe in a way the most important thing, that it's, it's, there's a degree of intensity in this music that uh, requires a total, total commitment on all levels, not just the musical level, but it's a kind of uh, all-consuming um, state that you reach when you, when you enter these quartets. And of course, in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to to give yourself with this kind of level, this level of abandon, the the preparation, the technical preparation, the the mental preparation, the the, the mutual understanding of, of what we want to say, has got to reach a level where where we where we can abandon ourselves in, in a way, of course, in a controlled manner, <laughs> but um, but. Uh, Yes, well, I think what makes Beethoven's music unique is that I have a feeling that it engages uh, not just the, the sort of cultured, cultivated musical side of our of our beings, but it really draws from the most raw parts of our of our of each of our our, our lives, and, and uh, it of course it needs to be filtered somehow uh, into a coherent. Uh, vision and, and message but at the same time it has to retain this rawness uh, without, without it I think uh, this music uh, cannot really uh, exist so I think that's maybe what's, what is the most unique thing about playing that full Beethoven cycle is that you are you, 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 you are living on a kind of level of intensity that is, that is almost unbearable the, the the you know the, the the level of intimacy the level of of uh, violence the level of um, tenderness um, everything is extreme everything is extreme there are no um, there is nothing in this music that is that is that is uh, moderate in its uh, content right it's like a roller coaster really yeah anyways uh, I was just wondering you know which 
of the quartets would be the most challenging for the Belsia Quartet? I mean, what, which one, which quartet would really push you to the edge of what you want to express or what you think is capable or where, you know, just pushing you beyond um, mm. um, your comfort zone? Well, the one that really pushes you out of the com comfort zone is more, more than any others, I suppose, is, is the Opus 130 uh, with the Grosse Fugue as, as, the, as the finale. Um, but having said that, I have a feeling that it's a piece that we are that we know so well and have played so so much during during the last decades that um, perhaps it's not as challenging for for me. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I have a feeling that my colleagues will share this view. Then, for instance, the Opus 132 and 135, which are more enigmatic. They're not as, uh, they're, they're perhaps not, well, the Opus 132 is very much a tour de force uh, in a similar way to the, to the great Opus 130. But um, that's not really the, the, the difficulty. For me, the difficulty was with this quartet is the level of spiritual, um, the, the, the spiritual heights that it inhabits um, are just uh, such that, uh, you know, it's a piece that we've been playing for again for years, but I'm never sure that we really uh, we're really there yet. And I and I have a feeling that with each uh, return we we progress, but 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 there's clearly uh, further to go. And the Opus 135, in the fact that it's so enigmatic, and there's there's a this this cohabitation of of um, gr the greatest depth and and uh, honesty with with um, Music that is also quite uh, well. There's a, there's a sort of a sense of humor, dry sense of humor, and that that is um, difficult to qualify. You know, it's difficult to know how to how to what is the final message of this last his last quartet. Right, how it seems do, so deep and what, philosophical. What, what, what try to say with it. Yeah, it's uh, very 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 difficult. And and in the end, there's a big question mark. And and perhaps that's that's the intention, but um, I think these are the quartets where the where I think there's a level of maturity that, that everyone needs to reach to 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 catch up with them. I'm not entirely sure that we are that we are there yet. The Opus 130 with the Grosse Fugue is just an all-out uh, uh, revolution, and and uh, we relish it because in, in, I think in. In each one of us, there is the this desire to break free from all bounds and to be to be um, to a certain degree anarchistic, and and I think that the Grosse Fugue unleashes this this uh, tendency and 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 helps us express it, and I think it comes comes naturally to us. But there are, there are, there are different levels of of um, that this music different realms that this music music takes us to and some of them are more elusive than others in your rehearsals um do you talk about all this stuff and when you play the halika danka song do you say oh my gosh how do we arrive at a spiritual state or the grossa fuga how do we become seemingly more kind of violent uh or, or you know to express that kind of struggle I mean, do you talk about this and then try and say how do we make this kind of sound or noise that we have to produce you know, funnily enough, when we rehearse, we uh, we are so in in the music that we rarely zoom out and talk about these things in a in a non musical way. Perhaps that's a f 
a certain limitation of ours. I don't know. Um, it's difficult to say because because when when you are so immersed in the music, you are dealing with just the, with the sound, with the musical matter, and of course, at the back of our minds is the content, what what, what this music expresses. But we are so uh, in the moment, so so in, in, involved and, and wrapped in this in this uh, in just the sheer matter that the music presents that I think we rarely have such conversations. Only maybe later on the, these these uh, discussions uh, arise, but not really, um, you know, midst rehearsal, it uh, doesn't really happen. Right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to, 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 to see how four musicians who are, you know, holding their instruments and, and just, just looking for the, for the right sound that, that they um, start making these, these, these big leaps in, of, of imagination and, uh, it, it sometimes happens, and sometimes it is if someone someone has a has a certain image in mind and, and, and shares it with the others. I think it can be helpful, but sometimes you know you say something that you think is very um, um, uh, perceptive in that kind of way, and 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 you look your, your colleagues look at you and, and and say to you, okay, but that's fine, but what what do we actually mean? What does it mean for us? <laughs> In, uh, in, so sometimes it's better to stay away from 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 these uh, big images and just focus on because we we sort of understand each other without words. So when we start using, sometimes I have a feeling that when we start resorting to words, misunderstandings can occur because we 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 rely on something that is commonly considered as the most useful means of of communicating. But actually, between, between four musicians who've been doing this for you know, 25 years, um, sometimes words may be even unhelpful. Yeah, well, it's better to speak through music, I guess. I mean, the journey actually from the first quartet to say something like the Grosse Fuga is bizarre, right? Because you begin with something that seems so convivial, so friendly, you know, and it is like almost opera buffa, you know, people are just talking. And it's like, it's, it's almost Mozartian in the first movement of the first quartet. And then the last move, movement of, say, Opus, of originally of over 130. I mean, you are in a, an area where you feel that the music has, well, it's no longer friendly. Let's put it this way. This is no longer for intelligent people conversing. It's really almost like a kind of violent, uh, chaotic um, structure. Let's put it that way. So do you, yeah. as a quartet, decide to be, to play Beethoven in that kind of um, more disunited way as part of your aesthetic? Of playing Beethoven, uh, because some quartets prefer to keep things kind of more under control, that other quartets want to really let rip and show the kind of eruptions and, and ruptures that happen uh, in, in in this music when it you know gets to that kind of stage. Well, it's it's perhaps it's difficult to define what uh, our position in, in this uh, spectrum is because we don't. Premeditate how 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 what we're going to do with this music. We just respond to it the way we, we feel. I think it's easier for for our audience to, to audiences to say. But for instance, I can I can already say that yes, the first quartet uh, begins in a very convivial way. But when you look at the slow movement of the Opus 18 Number One, what happens there um, is already not far from from the outrages of, of of his later style. And in some ways, I would say that there's a there's a desperation and violence in that movement that he he almost never replicated. It's it's uh, it's absolutely extraordinary. 
in those early pieces where where he was um you know only only basically following in the footsteps of Haydn and Mozart and yet he had something so distinctively uh, original to say and let's say there's an interesting story about that quartet is that w when he presented the book of his opus 18s to Haydn Haydn looked at them and the opus 18 number 1 which then became the quartet that the F major quartet which became the opus 18 number 1 he had reservations about and he Encouraged Beethoven not to put it as as number one in, in the book. That was his. That was the, that was the one piece that he really wasn't sure about. And what did what did Beethoven do? Of course, he said, "Okay, well, that's that's a proof to me that he that he's he's just envious about this quartet, and this will be my first quartet." And, yeah, and it's true. I mean, that that movement, that second movement. I mean, it could not be written by Haydn or Mozart. There is a voice there that is so. Yeah original and so uh, powerful. This is the one uh, about, uh, possibly about Romeo and Juliet uh, and that sort of tomb. So it is a very dramatic, very Beethovenian type of expression. What is extraordinary in this music, in this uh, particular movement, is not only the level of um, drama and, and outright violence that, that occurs in it, but also the, the expressive powers of silence that I actually cannot think of another piece of music that that uh, uses silence in in such a such a way. I honestly cannot think of another piece in Beethoven's output, and I would be really um, I couldn't think of it of, of another composer that, that did something like this. So this is completely groundbreaking from from the word go. Uh, of course, with surrounded by um, convivial uh, music. But at the same time, I have a feeling that from the beginning, one, if you really look into, into this music, as you see that Beethoven inherited this language. And from the beginning, he's showing us its limitations. He's, he's constantly poking fun at his, at, this, at, this, at his tools. He's constantly distorting them or, or, or just, uh, it's never, it, there's always a, a, a sort of a second degree to, to, to this music, even here, that he's not really uh, following in the footsteps of Haydn and Mozart. He's just showing us what, what he has in his hands and what he will have to do in order for, 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 to, to transform himself and transform the music. So in a way, it's, it's all there already in the Opus 18s, I, I think. And not to mention uh, the Opus 18 number six with the introduction to the finale and La Malinconia. It's another example of Music that, that that looks forward to the twentieth century in in, in uh, Western music that the composer let the listener into his soul uh, the way Beethoven does in in La Malinconia. It's it's uh, without, in my view, completely without precedence. So uh, yes, of course, there's a huge. A journey between uh, the Opus 18s and the late quartets, but at the same time, the seeds are sown very early on, and uh, I think uh, it's very important to 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 to, uh, to 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 recognize it. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, Beethoven's creative character remained more or less the same, right? That that kind of poking at things, that constant irony or even irony of ironies, trying to kind of uh, kind of figure out where to push the music forward and questioning everything, every form, and even, I guess, trying to outwit Haydn in many ways. Now, mm -hmm. I know that you were, I mean, you are a quartet player, 
because of Beethoven? I mean, if it wasn't for Beethoven, you wouldn't be doing this. Is that right? Um, possibly, quite possibly. I mean, I love other, uh, you know, great great string quartets by by other composers. Schubert is is also a great love of mine, and Mozart and Haydn. But yes, I mean, there's something about this music that that is that that speaks to me, and I think to my colleagues as well. I, I'm speaking for all of us in a way that is um, stronger than even those great masters. Was there an, a particular Beethoven quartet that sort of aha moments? I says, ah, I've got to be a viola player in a quartet <laughs> to play this music. Um, well, yes, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting that I, I came to Beethoven quartets relatively late. I, I, I was already uh, actually a quartet player, a student quartet player, and I didn't really know, I certainly didn't know the late quartets. And I remember that uh, on my very first visit to Berlin, I think it was 1994, um, I went into a CD shop. I mean, that was my my addiction. Wherever I, wherever I was in the world, the first steps I took were usually to a CD shop. And this was a CD shop in the former East Berlin. Recently opened a big, you know, they, they still adapt those in those days. They had big CD sh- shops, and there was this big classical um, uh, section. And in it, I saw uh, the, a, a box of late Beethoven quartets played by the Almanberg Quartet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, and I was a student. I had no money at the time. It was for me to buy CDs was a, was a really, uh, and to buy a big box of CDs was already you know, a big uh, thing. But the label on this um, box was incredibly, the price was incredibly low. Um, so I took it to the cashier and I paid for it. And I'm convinced to this day that this was just a matter of some someone putting the wrong price label on on the CD because it had no it had no it was not possible for it to be uh, so cheap. Um, and I went home and I opened this box and I put on the Opus 131. And that was the moment when uh, when I realized that this is there's nothing greater. So, so, so yeah, I would have come across this this quartet sooner or later. But this trip to the CD sh- CD shop in Berlin, in former East Berlin, where I think things were pretty disorganized, uh, was was uh, very fateful, I think, for me. And and it's the Opus 131 that I know also that Antoine, our cellist, um, also finds the quart- the quartet uh, that that changed his life. So we certainly have uh, a lot in common already. We had. To- <laughs> Already a lot in common before we met. I remember that uh, those recordings, the Alban Berg recordings, they're great recordings. I mean, I noticed you have your Amadeus String Quartet poster behind. I mean, do you also uh, trace, as it were, a kind of heritage with quartets and you listen to these quartets and try to sort of position yourself uh, within a certain tradition? Not deliberately, not consciously, but obviously we are very much influenced by these quartets. Um, we had our first teachers were the m- members of the Amadeus Quartet and then the Abenberg Quartet. That was a f- kind of fulfillment of our dream, coming from, again, from that visit to the CD shop when I heard the Abenberg Quartet uh, play Beethoven. It was uh, it changed my life. And, and I, the, the, when when the Belcher Quartet formed, the, the, the first thing that we wanted to do was to meet them and to play for them. And we were able to do that. And, of course, then they remained... Our, our mentors for, for for years, and what's wonderful about these people, both the Amadeus and the and the Alvanberkwater, is that they were, you know, they were very um, thorough in in, in how the, how they transmitted their understanding and their their 
uh, aesthetic and their understanding of this music. But at the same time, they, I think, uh, acknowledged our own personalities and I think very much encouraged us to develop. You know, there was nothing dogmatic about their style of teaching. And, and uh, so I, the result is, I think, that when I listen now to, to the recordings of the, of the Amadeus Quartet and the Alban Quartet, I recognize in them qualities that we will never reach, the, 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 that are just, you know, so much uh, their, their own, in, in the sense of their own style, their own sound. That, that these are things that are so personal that cannot that cannot really be uh, copied and shouldn't be copied. Um, so, but but I see how different we are from them. I recognize that, and in a way, I, I'm, you know, my, my gratitude to them for allowing us to develop in, in that different ways, is, and for the wisdom to, to, to do that. Because for me, that's what really great mentoring, great teaching is about. It's, it's not to, to not to tell people how to how you play it, but to help them find their own way of doing it, and, and that's that was our path with them. Well, it's great to hear that you have this kind of legacy at the same time, this ability to develop. And I was going to ask you, ask you a question about, similar question about Beethoven, because you've done the Beethoven cycle before, right? I mean, several, quite a few years ago now, and now you're doing it again for you know, the 250th anniversary of Beethoven's birth. Um, but obviously, when you come back to doing this cycle, it must be different. I mean, you've moved on as a quartet in the way you've, you know, thinking about music. So is the interpretation significantly different or is there a completely different angle that you're taking on these pieces or have speeds and, uh, changed or, or does the interpretation of certain pieces change? I think so. Uh, again, you know, it's not like we sit down and say, all right, today, so it's 59 number one. We played it in that way eight years ago. What are we going to change? It, it, it's just all, all uh, um, a very slow and sometimes difficult, uh, difficult to define the, the, the process that, that, that leads us to, to this. But uh, clearly, uh, many things change. Tempi change when I listen to, to a lot of what we re recorded eight years ago now, nine, eight years ago. Um, a lot of the tempi are faster than, than how we play them now. I think that we... In, in, in some ways, looking when looking for a certain brilliance and a certain um, uh, vivacity in the music, we missed um, a lot of the tension and and um, um, well, a certain difficulty that is written into this music uh, that is necessary to to that is very much part of it. So I think some some of it. What, what I hear now, I find sounding too easy. And um, I, I noticed that, for instance, with the finale of the Opus 131, which we, in my view, recorded too fast. And, and if we ever recorded it again, I'd very much like to to um, address that. We all, I think, we all would. Um, yes. So I think that's that's a general feeling that the temp tempi, I think, are, are slowing down. Um, I think. We were always, from the very beginning, very drawn by contrasts in Beethoven and, and bringing out all of those, all of those extremes. So um, perhaps now we are. This is not something that we are so focused on because um, it's already 
natural to us. It's in, it's inside us. So I think maybe what we're looking for now more and becoming more aware of is the structure of this music. Um, understanding how different parts of the quartet relate to each other, how they, f how you know, how the large structure, how there are certain echoes of, of, uh, of an idea in one movement which are which are present in another movement. Whether it's um, whether it is noticeable to our audiences, you know, that we make we make those connections, that we see them, whether it does anything to the to the. Um, to the vision of these quartets that we present, it's not for me to say, uh, but but, um, but that's certainly something that we are more preoccupied with right now. Um, and certainly, we are. I think the more we, more time we spend in our lives with this music, our awe at, at, at its greatness only increases. I mean, there's something about Beethoven where the kind of the longer you live, the more you experience, the more the music means, right? Uh, things to yeah. this music that is. Uh, not something that you can grasp, but it kind of grasps you at different moments. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm just hoping very much that we can hear this uh, at some point soon, if not all of them, at least some of them, because I'm sure that with that experience in playing these complete this complete cycle, uh, not just once but several times now, um, you really bring a kind of richness, an interpretative richness uh, to your performances of the Beethoven. So. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but thank you so much for sharing uh, your thoughts on uh, the Beethoven Quartets with us. And um, we look forward to you and the whole quartet coming to the University of Hong Kong in the near future. Thank you very much, Chris. We very, we very much hope so. Thank you very much.